0: Your Spirit's strong in me And my flesh may fail But my God, You never will I may be weak Your Spirit's strong in me And my flesh may fail But my God, You never will Give me faith To trust what You say your good and your love is great i'm broken inside i give you my life oh give me faith to trust what you i hey.
1: i the
2: Promise Church. We're so glad you're here. Will you stand and worship with us? just love you just be with the pastor as he brings the word today father and just anoint him and open our, our our ears and our hearts father to hear from you today and I pray all this in Jesus name
3: amen 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 thank you connie and worship team good morning everybody Welcome to everybody here in person and welcome to all of you watching online this morning wherever you may be. We're so glad that you are worshiping the Lord Jesus here with us at New Promise Church here in Kirtland, Ohio. And where is summer going? Uh, By the way, if uh, if any of you don't know who I am, I'm Roy Gruters. I'm the pastor here at New Promise. Where is summer going, by the way? We're already getting ready to send. We got people traveling this week, taking kids back to college Um, And we've got teachers getting ready uh, this week for school starting the week after next and everything. So this summer is just flying by uh, very quickly. And I hope you've come through the storms uh, that we've had uh, like six or seven of them over this last week, one right after the other. Um, Like many of you know, Karen and the girls and I, we moved here just a a year ago in June, thank you guys. And I tell you, up where we live in Paynesville, We have never lived in a place where we've had so many storms so frequently and everything. The between the windstorms and the snowstorms in the morning or in the uh, in the in the winter time and then the, the just the wind that comes through there frequently and then this summer, so many just really wickedly hard, intense thunderstorms that have come through even this last week. Um, Just one right after the other with so much deluge of rain and everything I hope you come through it. All right Uh, where you live i've seen on facebook some people you now have lakes in your front yards and uh, Going out to the street and uh, other have Downed trees and things like that and uh, so bless god. It is a beautiful sunny day out uh, this morning And uh, don't look at the forecast uh, for this next week because uh, we've got more storms coming and stuff. But you know what I think about when I, when I think of just all of the storms that we've had, especially recently, one right after the other, is when you're in the midst of a storm, be it a snowstorm in the wintertime or a thunderstorm in the summertime, and especially if it's an incredibly intense, hard storm, you can sometimes get so uh, blown away and overwhelmed by the intensity of the storm that you have to stop and you have to think, well, we've had storms before, And God's brought us through those storms. You know, you think back to last winter, we had some some pretty good snowstorms and ice storms last winter. God brought us through those things. We're still here today. And we had some pretty incredible, intense thunderstorms even this last week. We're all still here. God's still on the throne. God brought us through those storms. So it's important to remember, I think, when you're going through a storm, to always remember that God is still on the throne. God is still in control. He brought you through the last storm. He's going to bring you through this storm as well, too. Amen? And, and, and you can take that as a metaphor. You can take that literally. You can apply that to politics. You can apply that to the, the country we live in right now and all the contradictory, confusing communication information that's coming through the media and stuff like that. You know, our, our country is, is going through a storm right now. And, and we're, we're in a place that we really have never been before. We're really finding our bearings in balance because we've never had political leaders talk the way this administration talks and, and, and hearing things that we've studied in, in history of other nations, like in Germany and in Russia and things like that. We're starting to see similar things here in our country. And, and you know, some people are, are you know, running quickly down the road with, with uh ideas and speculations of what's coming and stuff well, we're not there yet we're, n- we're not at tomorrow yet today is today and today's got enough trouble of its own right and so it does throw us off a l- little bit it throws off our bearings and balance and I think that's where we are right now as a as a country as a people is we're trying to find our bearings and balance having come through a pandemic and now this it seems to be the next storm coming down the line and everything and and so what I want us to remember and in a couple of weeks I'm going to preach a, a message or two out of first and second Thessalonians because they were going through storms Christians were going through storms back in the first century in Thessalonica that the Holy Spirit through Paul wanted to help the Christians then find their bearings and balance going through some things that that we're wondering are we going through some similar things like that and so in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at First and Second Thessalonians for a couple of messages to find our bearings and balance. But just for this morning, what I, I want you to remember as we watch things on the news and we hear what the leaders are saying and, and they're confusing and contradictory and all over the map, so to speak, that when life is going through a storm, it's always good to remember two things. God's on the throne, and no one's going to change that. And God got you through the last storm. He's going to get us through the next storm. He's going to get us through this one. He's going to get us through the next one. He sets us up to be winners, not losers, not whiners. He calls us to be people of faith and have faith and trust in him, not to be fearful, but to be faithful through it all. Because God is still on the throne. No one's ever going to change that. And God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. And God knows how to get us through storms in life. Amen? amen okay so just just bear that in mind that was for free that's just something i wanted to throw out to you uh this morning take your bibles and turn them as we continue in our series conversations with christ to mark chapter 10 and as you do that would you pray with me here at home or if you're watching online lord jesus father we thank you so much lord for your word because as always it's a lamp unto our feet it's a light to our path and it illuminates in the darkness there's so many times that we're feel like we're trying to find our way through the darkness it is simply by the light of your word which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path that we are able to navigate through the life that we live in and father as we continue in this series listening and 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 learning from the conversations that you had with people again this morning father we ask you to help us to get our eyes up higher than the horizon of our own humanity so that we can see our lives and our relationship with you from your heavenly perspective and so this morning lord jesus help us to see how through the simplicity of our relationship with you and that which you are calling us to how you just remove the pressure you take the pressure off of us father as you're calling us to be your children and to have childlike faith and trust in you. So, Father, please anoint my lips to preach, our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive everything that you have for us right now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, now I want you to imagine that you've been with Jesus for several weeks, several months, and just short of three years. And you've been traveling around with Jesus and you've been watching him and hearing him see and do amazing things that are confounding everybody around. You've been seeing him do amazing things like heal the sick and cast out demons from people. Whatever Jesus says, it seems to happen. And when he's discussing or debating the Old Testament, even with the Pharisees, you hear him speaking as one with authority like he's the one who wrote it or he's the one who spoke it. Which is because he did. He spoke the word of God so he can speak with authority. Now, as Jesus is going around and you're going around with him, he's doing very counterculture, contradictory things that are sometimes confusing to people. Such as in a very closed off community like Judaism was, he's going around and he's including almost everyone he meets. He's reaching out and embracing people and including them, even the tax collectors and sinners, into the group. And so where the Pharisees are being very vocal in their opposition to this, he eats with tax collectors and sinners, you're not saying anything, but truth be told, somewhere in your mind, you're kind of thinking, yeah, I kind of get where they're coming from, because this is very unusual, this is very peculiar. We're actually hanging out with tax collectors and with sinners. Now you, you trust Jesus, but again, it's not the usual, it's not the norm This is very counterculture, very different than what you're used to But as he's going around healing the sick, casting out demons Speaking with authority, being inclusive of people around him You notice that Jesus and you are gaining in popularity and in notoriety It's really Jesus, but you're part of the entourage show You're getting caught up with it as well now with gaining and notoriety and popularity though also comes a lack of privacy and an increase of pressure because everywhere you go everyone wants something everybody wants something from you or from jesus if they want something from you it's to get through you to get to jesus because everybody wants something from jesus you have risen and jesus has risen to a place of like rock star status with the people in either be it into the jerusalem area or up by around the sea of galilee and capernaum wherever you go you guys are like rock stars on tour everybody wants you everybody wants jesus everybody wants access all the time everybody's got something they want or need jesus to do in their lives and what's go, what's uh growing less and less and less is your privacy and what's getting more and more and more is the pressure that's on you because you're seemingly always in public and what jesus has done through this whole process is he's also periodically shared his authority with you you've noticed that he wants to multiply the ministry through you so he has shared with you his power and his authority sometimes you've gotten it right other times you have kind of not so much gotten it wrong but this whole thing is just keep going and going and growing and growing and sometimes it's so crazy it almost seems like it's out of control. And so what you do on a given day when when Jesus is in a place and then all the people start flocking to him and now they're starting to bring their kids to him all of a sudden out of good intentions you decide to take control of the situation. You talk to each other, and you're like, man, this is crazy, this is out of control. We haven't had a day off in days or in weeks. And so you decide to step up and do something that's kind of like crowd control. Your heart's in the right place. Maybe you want to protect Jesus' privacy, give him a rest. Or maybe you want to protect your own privacy, give yourself a rest. But then all of a sudden, in the midst of your good intentions of what you're about to do and what you're in fact doing, Jesus admonishes you. He does something that is so counterintuitive and it's so confusing that it stops you dead in your tracks. And even though you are slightly confused about why is he telling us not to do what we're about to do and we're trying to do, in the midst of what he's doing, what he's going to talk and what he's going to say, what he's going to do, all of a sudden when you start thinking about it, it's comforting to you. Because all of a sudden you realize what Jesus is wanting to do is He wants to relieve the pressure and take the pressure off of you. By by comparison and contrast, showing you that to be a follower of His is simply to be childlike in your faith, in your trust, in your teachableness, and in your obedience, and in your joy, and in your expectancy. Jesus isn't expecting you to have all of the answers, or to be able to do everything all the time, or even control the crowds. Jesus calls some little children together and then he looks at you and he says, to be one of my followers, to enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, where all this amazing power and authority is coming from. Jesus said, I want you to be just like these little children. So come with me to Mark chapter 10. Let's pick up the story around verse 13. As the people, excuse me, As the people were bringing the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and bless them, the disciples rebuked them. Now, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant with the disciples, with the apostles again, and he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Some things that stick out to me as we continue to read through the Gospel of Mark is that Mark never fails to show Jesus' emotions. And most of his emotion is always indignation. And his indignation is usually aimed at the apostles, because the apostles from time to time act like the Three Stooges. You know They're well-intended, but they're tripping over one another, and they're tripping over Jesus, and they're just not getting it right. And Jesus is thinking to himself, I've got limited time, the clock is ticking, I know pretty soon I'm going to leave here and go back to heaven, and I'm trying to hand over the keys to the kingdom and hand over this ministry to to these guys, and they're just not getting it. So Jesus, again, is indignant with his apostles. But the first thing we really learn from this story is that little kids are very important to God because them and people like them are what the kingdom of God is made of. Little kids are very important to God because people like them and them is what the kingdom of God is all about. Now, back in the day... It was normal uh, that the children were loved and they were valued by parents and family and grandparents and by the community. They really were. Children were embraced in the Jewish community. They still are today and everything. And it was also normal that when uh, revered leaders of notoriety would come into a community, that the parents or grandparents would bring the children out to these leaders so they could place their hands on the children and bless the children, pray a blessing over the children. Now, what's unusual is usually that was reserved to the priests and the Pharisees. But now they're bringing people, they're bringing their children to Jesus. Imagine how the priests and the Pharisees must have felt as they're looking at Jesus' popularity has now obviously and publicly risen to their level or higher than their level. So they were probably a little bit jealous because they didn't see Jesus as a priest. They just saw Jesus as the son of a carpenter who was doing some amazing things and going around talking about the Old Testament Torah as one who had authority. And so people were bringing the children to Jesus now to, to place his hands upon them and to bless them and everything. And while the little babies are cute, the, the kids in the little ones mentioned in verse 14, they're probably the three to six-year-olds because back in the culture, that's what a little one would be, the, the three to six-year-olds, the toddlers. They were sometimes seen as a nuisance because they weren't as cute and as controllable as little babies are, Right? and they weren't old enough yet to actually contribute to the family and to, and to help, help out with the family and do chores and do things. You know, toddlers, three to six-year-olds, you know, they're just little kids running around loving life, making noise. They, they've got this wide-eyed wonder that they look at life with, and everything is great, and it's loud, and it's all this, that, and the other thing, and they're just playful, and they're fun-loving and everything and so sometimes they were kind of seen as nuisances they're kind of like just so loud and you know they're not cute and cuddly they don't sleep a lot like infants do and 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 they're not old enough yet to actually contribute to family and society and stuff and so the apostles were acting a little bit like W.C. Fields you know get away kid you bother me that type of thing and so Jesus corrected them admonished them and said quit acting like W.C. Fields start acting more like me start acting like jc christ lord jesus christ act like me don't shoo the kids away i want to bring them to me so that he could bless them and everything right so maybe they were trying to protect jesus privacy or their privacy but whatever their intentions were they were getting it wrong again And in a similar situation, but a little bit different, in Matthew chapter 18 is another time when Jesus called a little child to him. Now, again, there's that terminology, little child. so about a three- to six-year-old. And we know it's a three- to six-year-old because it doesn't say the parents brought the child to Jesus. It said he called a little child to himself. So he just called out, and it's probably a toddler, three- to six-year-old, said, come on over here. He called a little child to him, and he said to his apostles, Truly I tell you that unless you change and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. That's heavy. Now, whoever welcomes a little one like this welcomes me. And if anyone causes any of these little ones who believe in me to stumble It would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and drown in the depths of the sea The intention is then to deal with me You see god loves children And I I I worry about people who harm children who hurt children whether they're born or unborn because god's got a special place in his heart for kids and I also worry about people who grow up so much, they've outgrown God, they're too, too grown up for God, and they've long since left a childlike faith that can only enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I think because of these scriptures and because of what it says in Matthew chapter 22, that in heaven there is no marriage or giving in marriage, which that's a discussion to have to your kids about what heaven's going to be like. You know, am I always going to call you mom and dad? It's like, yes, you're always going to call me mom and dad. But you're not going to be married anymore. No, we're not going to be married anymore. Okay, and so we're all going to kind of be equal? Well, yes, but no, I will always be your mom and dad. You know, that type of thing? Have that conversation with them about Matthew 22. But because of these scriptures and Matthew 22, I honestly think that heaven is full of children and childlike people. You know, what age are we all going to be? That's what everybody seems to want to know. You know, in heaven, how old are you forever? Because there is no aging in heaven. It's always a present tense existence, right? So what age are you? I don't know. You decide what age you want to be for all of eternity. Personally, me, I want to be three to six years old because this is what Jesus says is the kingdom of heaven like, right? And and I remember what it was like to be a kindergartner, about five years old, six years old. Man, I love those days because I had no pressure on me at all, right? I just, I could love life. I could have fun. I could play. I could trust mom and dad to take care of everything and 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 i just looked at life with wide-eyed wonder it was fantastic right you believe everything you're told you take it as gospel truth you take people at their words and you trust them with your life that type of a thing see i think that's what heaven's like according to jesus that is what heaven's like it's it's having a childlike faith not childish we don't need more childish people in the world but we do need more childlike people in the world that have a childlike faith so you think of what is it a childlike person like why don't you think what a child is like innocent and pure and trusting and teachable and happy and joyful and and content and wonderfully daily and eternally dependent upon their parents joyful and obedient and expecting they believe anything you tell them they think it's gospel truth and so they're just so faithful and filled with faith and filled with trust they take you at your word and they trust you with their lives see that's what jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like that's what jesus is saying who gets the authority and the power of heaven People with childlike faith—not people who are so grown up for God that that they've grown up now and they think they've got it all in command and in control—they're unbelieving and they're they're jaded and they're cynical and closed off because of the hurts and pains that they've experienced in life. That they're no longer trusting, they're no longer teachable, they're no longer open to things. They're closed off. They're kind of in a protective self-preservation mode. They're not happy. They're not content. They always want more. They always think it could be better on the other side of the fence. And they think they've got it all together. They think they've got it all figured out. Heaven's not about that. Heaven is not about you or me figuring it all out and having it all together. Heaven is not about being the the smartest or the most strongest or the most self-reliant or the self-important self, 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 self. Heaven's not about that. Heaven is about being trusting and teachable and innocent and pure and expecting and believing and open and obeying and dependent upon God and being okay with that. To say, I am daily, every day, and eternally, completely, wonderfully dependent upon God. My life, my existence is all on Him. It's not on me. All I have to do as a child is enjoy the life that god has given me not to grow up and be too old for god now here the sad thing is that most of us in fact all of us start out that way all of us start out as children there's not anybody in the history of humanity except for adam and eve that did not start off as a child who did not start off trusting and teachable and innocent and pure and open and honest and obedient and, and believing and expecting and joyful and happy and content and carefree pressure off that type of thing We all started out that way now. We all didn't start out in the same homes or the same families Some started off with with really great parents Some started off with parents who weren't so great Some of us start off with with great loving parents who had means and wealth and stuff Others start off with parents who were great and loving but they weren't the richest ones on the block Some of us start off in two parent homes. Some of us start off in single parent homes. Some of us start off in adoptive homes and foster homes or blended families, blended homes. But we all start off as children. We all start off with that childlike, wide eyed wonder to life. You see, that's what Jesus is talking about wanting to get us back to as his believers and his followers. He wants to get us back to being innocent and pure and trusting and teachable and honest and open and expectant and obedient. It's like he wants us to become born again as his children with childlike faith. And it makes perfect sense that he wants that to happen in his believers and followers because God talked about his people in both testaments as children, in the Old Testament, God talks about the children of Israel. And in the New Testament, God talks about us being children of God. And God is our Heavenly Father. So what Jesus is wanting us as believers and followers of him to do is get back to the simplicity of living in a childlike faith, trust, and relationship with God again where the onus is all on him and the pressure is totally off of us you know can you imagine if the throng of Jesus followers in Revelation 19 if you're in my Revelation class you remember we talked about this kind of in Revelation 19, it's where Jesus comes back and defeats the Antichrist and Satan and the false prophet at the, va- at the Battle of Armageddon, right? And so in Revelation 19, it says Jesus comes on his white horse with a throng of angels and the great multitude of believers, that's you and me, following him and everything. And he gets there, and everybody's lined up for battle. Everybody thinks there's going to be a battle, going to duke it out. It's, the world is on one side of the valley, and Jesus is on the other side, and they come into the valley, and everybody thinks there's going to be a battle, except when you get to Revelation 19, verse 20, where it says but the beast the false prophet the antichrist they were all captured and defeated people were slaughtered and killed there in the valley of megiddo god wins and satan loses again the reason there see we think there's going to be a battle there's not going to be a battle at the valley of, of armageddon here's why nobody can stand toe-to-toe with god every time god opens his mouth whatever he says it happens and so Jesus as he spoke with authority in the gospels he will come back in revelation and he will speak with authority I win you lose was twas ever thus. And that's exactly what's going to happen. We're not going to fight it out and duke it out and everything else with with the beast the false prophet and the antichrist. That's simply not in scripture. And it doesn't make any scriptural logical sense, right? So, we all think we're going to come back as adults or whatever, we're going to be riding on our horses and everything else. I want you to picture something different. Based on what Jesus is talking about here in Mark chapter 10, I want you to imagine that in Revelation 19, we and all the other followers of Jesus come back as children. We come back following Jesus... And maybe we're three to six years old, that type of thing. Get that in your mind for a second, right? Can you imagine how that would drive the beast, the false prophet, the Antichrist, and Satan, and hell crazy at the, at the Battle of Armageddon? Because not only do they lose, but they lose saying, we're losing to Jesus Christ and the kids' choir! Can you imagine? Now, I'm not saying we're all going to be children But Jesus says we're all going to be childlike because that's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to be in a place with childlike faith where the pressure is off us and the onus is totally on him. Can you imagine what it's like to live life that way? Say, Pastor, I don't know, man. As an adult, I'm just feeling this pressure all the time. Then why don't you allow the Holy Spirit to change you into what jesus wants for you which is to take the pressure off you and give you a childlike faith trust and expectancy in him again now number two the second thing we learn from from this account from this conversation with christ is that the number one job of christian parents is to bring their children to jesus at home and at church because Jesus wanted the parents to be bringing their children to him. So the number one job for us as Christian parents is to bring our children to Jesus, both at home and at church. Why? Because the spiritual development of your child is not dependent on the children's pastor or the youth pastor. It's up to you. Let me say that again. The spiritual development of your child is not the responsibility of the children's pastor or the youth pastor or the senior pastor. It's on you. Your child's spiritual development is on you. That's what I tell parents from baby dedication to to those terrible teenage years where they're questioning everything. Where where from time to time I have parents that come to me and say their teenager no longer wants to go to church. My teenager is grumbling and complaining about this, that, and the other thing. They don't want to go to church, they don't like this, they don't like that, they don't like the other thing. Pastor, what am I supposed to do? And what I will tell the parents are three things. Number one, first I'll say to the parent, what are they seeing and hearing at home coming out of your mouth? About church. You know, lots of times, people when they come in for counseling, they look to the counselee or the counselor, they look to the pastor and they expect us, just solve the problem. Tell us what to do. I'm not that type of a counselor. I'm really kind of frustrating to people who come for counseling. Because I will look back at them and I will say, you know how you got into this mess. I'm here to help you figure out how to get out of this mess. But it's on you. It's not on me. So I will look at the parent, and I will say, number one, what are they seeing and hearing at home? How are you talking about church? How are you talking about the youth pastor? How are you talking about the children's pastor? How are you talking about the senior pastor? How are you talking about the congregation in general? Are you focusing more on the people that annoy you and this, that, and the other thing is wrong? Or are you focusing on the positives of church, and the positives of the youth pastor, the children's pastor, the senior pastor, and congregational life together? Number one, what are they seeing and hearing coming out of your mouth because you are the one responsible for their spiritual development number two i will ask them are they teenagers are they going through hormones are they going through up downs and all arounds and are they starting to question everything now and the parents go yeah number three i will ask them don't you remember what it was like when you were a teenager history is simply repeating itself apples do not fall that far from the tree so I try and get the the parents to understand from sympathy and empathy. Remember back what it was like to be a teenager, and to question everything. Teenagers that are about 15, 16, 17, 18 years old on the on the upper end of of, uh, of uh, teenagers, they're the ones that start to question everything with some cynicism, with some cynicalness, and I think that's normal because I've seen that in every generation of teenagers, and I actually think it's healthy. I think it's healthy to ask, why do we believe what we believe? Because the one criticism that I have of Christians is most Christians don't know how to articulate for themselves why they believe what they believe. And I don't think that it's enough to say, well, I go to church because my pastors raised me to go, or my parents raised me to go to church. I don't think it's enough to say, well, I go to church because, well, that's all we ever do. You know, I I think that Christians ought to have a more articulate, personal reason for why we believe what we believe, and I think that begins in childhood, the development of that as you're planting and watering the seeds as they're growing up, helping them develop and discover their spirituality and their priorities with Jesus and everything in life, but then it becomes more personal when they get to be older teenagers learning to articulate, why do I believe what I believe? it's not enough it's not enough just to say well we go to church because my parents make me go to church sometimes teenagers will just say that and i get that but if they're saying it too often then you need to go okay how am i doing helping my children develop their spirituality and maybe i have to have a conversation with them about it's not just because i make you go to church and it's not just because we do go to church it's because this is why we go to church about spiritual development I think it's normal for teenagers to have questions and ask questions and to challenge things I think it's incumbent upon us as people parents and pastors to have the answers for our kids maybe not all the answers but at least some of the answers would be nice right and sometimes the answer is going to be I don't know because if you really don't know something you need to say I don't know but depending upon what the question is you might want to really find out what the answer to that question is right but I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from scripture that we can understand and know the answers to the questions that people are going to have as they grow up because it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 6 to 7 to talk about spiritual things and biblical things with your kids at home as well as on the on the road and on the way to to school to church to work to soccer practice or soccer games things like that right should be talking to our kids on a regular basis not just leaving spiritual development to sundays and youth group and things like that but on a daily basis talking about things and one thing that we did with our kids growing up is we taught them to pray and we taught them how to pray and how just to talk to god and we start out with meals and things like that we'd throw it around the table josh your turn to pray pray for the food mariah victoria you turn to pray they go i don't know how to pray you just talk to god pray thank god for the food and get going hurry up because the food's cooling off we need to eat let's go chop chop right now pray talk to god thank god for the food lord jesus thank you for the food boom amen great prayer here we go and and as they grew up the prayers get a little more longer a little more eloquent and a little more all-encompassing and, and things like that right now it's amazing to me growing up as a pastor having kids and of course their pks or pastor's kids that their friends at church or in school and this we started noticing this in junior high and high school they started getting asked questions by their friends or expectations by their friends, like, oh, you guys, because your dad's a pastor and he's preaching and stuff and everything, you guys must have, you know, Bible studies at home. I mean, do y'all have Bible studies at home every night? And, you know, does your dad make you take notes and you go through the Bible and stuff like that and everything? And, and our kids would tell us this. I'm like, Really? That, that's what they the, that's what the perception is that you know pastors kids you give bible studies at home So i'm 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 their pastor. I understand that but i'm their parent first and foremost, right? And so I will tell you we didn't have bible studies at home with the kids growing up We didn't have them sit down open their bibles and take notes and and do all of this stuff But what we did do is like I said We taught them how to pray and we talked on a probably a daily basis about biblical perspectives and principles and practices of how they related and intersected to real-life things that were going on in their lives, be it at church or at school or part-time jobs out in the community, stuff like that. You know, they would say, well, what happened at school today? Well, so-and-so, this, that, and the other thing. And, and, and just in the course of conversation, be like, yeah, okay, this, that, and the other thing, but you know scripture says this, and God says he wants us to react this way or, or not react that way or something like that, right? Or have this perspective, this practice, that type of thing in, in, in our lives. So we did talk a lot about spiritual things with our kids as they were growing up, and they're all in their in twenties now and stuff, and they all attend church, and they all like going to church and everything. And, and it took Joshua to find a church in Green Bay, but he's found one and everything. And so, again, the spiritual development of our child, of our children, it's on us as parents. It's not on other people. It's not on pastors. It's it's on the parents. Now. One thing I don't like that I sometimes see parents do, and I've seen it here, but I've also seen it at the other two churches where I pastored at, is I don't like it because I think it's counterproductive when parents want to discipline their children because of they, they screwed up at home, they did something bad at school, they didn't get good enough grades or whatever, is I don't like it when parents discipline their kids by keeping their kids from church or from youth group or youth group activities or events or things like that why cuz i think it's counterproductive and now now my kids were really good kids my kids never caused problems for karen and i Certainly not the way that I probably caused parents for problems for my parents growing up. I'm glad my kids never did what I did growing up and everything. Um, but my kids are normal, average kids, and so some of them would misbehave as they were growing up, even as teenagers. They get mouthy, attitude, things like that every now and then, and and a couple more in particular than another that type of a thing. But what we would do in those times you know, when the grades weren't good enough or when they they screwed up and they did something really bad and we needed to discipline them. What we did in those times is we never disciplined them by not letting them go to church or by keeping them from youth group or anything else. Why? Because I want them in that environment. I want them hanging around with other Christian kids. I want them hanging around with a youth pastor or with a children's pastor. I want them hanging around in the church environment. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. And if you don't bring iron to iron, then that one piece of iron is never going to get sharpened, Right? So I always tried to see the whole board, tried to see the bigger picture. So we would never be the type of thing of, well, you can't go to youth group. We would be like, no, you are going to youth group, and you're going to orchestra practice, and you're going to both services on Sunday morning, and if you don't get your act together rapidly, I'm going to send you to synagogue on Saturday morning because I know a Messianic Jewish rabbi who's got a Messianic Jewish synagogue, and we're going to take you, I will take you myself. You will spend Saturday mornings at synagogue getting the Old Testament. You will come to both services on Sunday getting the New Testament unless you get your act together rapidly. Why? Because I understand understood that my children's spiritual development was on me it wasn't on anybody else and if i want them to grow up to be good christian people the last thing i want to do is keep them from church or keep them from youth group i remember i told pastor dan one time something that was going on with one of my kids i said they're going to youth group i said i just want you to know that this is what's going on He said, what do you want me to do? I said, hammer him. I said, I don't care, but just, I need, because I I knew Dan, I loved Dan, trusted Dan. I was with Dan, my youth pastor, for nine years. I said, I just want you to know as a parent, this is what's happened. So just, you know, help me pastor the the kid's spiritual development in this way. You can do that here with Pastor Nick, right? My heavens, don't keep them from church. Make sure they go to church as often as as you can get them to church. Because do you want them to grow up like Christians, or do you want them to grow up like worldly people? Because it's on you. It's our job as people, parents, and pastors to help them formulate their spirituality and their Jesus priorities in life. You know, as, as parents... We prioritize lots of things for our kids as they're growing up. We, we prioritize school and scholastics and sports and part-time jobs. And those are all good things because it helps to build the whole person. It helps to make them responsible uh, growing into adulthood and everything else like that. But what about raising kids that are biblically based, socially minded, and intentionally Christian? What happened to that priority in life? Helping our kids prioritize their spirituality and their Jesus priority you know i've known parents over the years that have prioritized soccer over church during soccer season i've known parents who have skipped nine weeks of church during a nine-week soccer season to make sure that little johnny or little judy gets to soccer practice or their soccer games or whatever and then they come to me years later and they go why doesn't my 20 year old want to go to church anymore and i look at them and i say it's because of what you taught them think what do you mean i said i remember for those three or four years in a row you weren't in church for those nine weeks during soccer season you taught your children that soccer was more important than jesus you taught them that soccer was more important than being in church on sunday or being at youth group on wednesday night or friday whenever whenever it meets you know when i was a, a football coach i was also a pastor you might have heard me say weeks ago that for a couple of years i was joshua's eighth and ninth grade football coach and and i remember the team meetings we had in the league that april or or um may when we got together and we were formulating the season schedule and practice times and everything else because all five teams five or six teams shared two fields and one of them was a soccer field and so we had to coordinate schedules and everything and i remember in that april or may meeting when my friend Brad is the one who got me into being a coach and everything, and, and they didn't have anybody else who wanted to, to be a head coach or anything other than the five who were the head coaches and plus our assistants, I remember in that, in that organizational meeting, they said, and the, the games will start when the season starts in September, the games will start at 10 o'clock Sunday mornings. And I said, whoa, wait a second, that won't work for me. And they went, well, why not? And I said, oh, well, I'm the pastor at Family Community Church. And, and I'm kind of busy then I'm kind of in church every Sunday at that time And Brad goes, oh yeah, this is my, you know, my good friend Rory And yeah, he is the pastor at church and everything They said, one guy chimed up, he said Well, why don't you let your assistant start the games And you show up when you can get there I said, no, that doesn't work for me Why? Because I'm the head coach And the game doesn't start without the head coach being there No, that does not work for me And so then somebody else said something else And somebody said, what are we going to do and everything And we talked for about a half hour, 45 minutes And I said this, well, why don't we start some of the games on Saturday after the soccer games are done? We can use that field for a couple hours where we still got daylight, and we can play the rest of the games on Sunday, but we start at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And they said, why? I said, because I can be there by 11.30, I can be there by 11.45, we can have a full warm-up run-through and everything else, and we can play the games starting at noon. Or we can play the games starting at 1 o'clock. And so after we talked about that for a little bit, And I said, because if we can't do that, then I can't be the coach. And and all the while in my head, I'm thinking about Joshua, who so wanted to play football. And I love football, and I love coaching football, but I was not going to prioritize football over my faith. And so finally, the chairman of the committee there, he said, okay, fine then. The games, he looked right at me. He said, the games will start at 1 o'clock. And I looked right back at him, and I said, and not a minute sooner. And then somebody chimed in and said, well, what are we going to do on Sunday mornings when the season starts? And Brad, who's sitting next to me, goes, go to church. My heavens, people. We prioritize everything in our lives except our kids' spirituality and teaching them the Jesus priority in their lives. As pastors and people and parents, it's our jobs to prepare the younger generation now for heaven now for the kingdom of god now it is a gift to be received now and it is a realm to be entered into now it's not about waiting for the sweet by and by when i die it's about receiving the greatest gift ever given the kingdom of heaven given to people now i don't care if you're six years old 16 years old 26 years old or 56 years old it's about now the greatest gift ever given to be received in a realm to be entered but you can only enter it through jesus said the narrow way but if you think about it kids and people with childlike faith are really good at that because they play follow the leader If you ever want to see an illustration of this go to an elementary school one time in a couple of weeks when school starts back up and and watch how in elementary school the little kids the little ones all line up and they wait to go into the building and they follow one after another and they go through a narrow door Right? I remember when Mariah was little She was always our lightweight uh, kid um, Because of her surgeries and what not But she, just, she never packed on the pounds or anything So Mariah when she was little was really pretty light And where we lived was really really windy A lot of the time And there was tons of times when when Mariah would line up in the morning, kindergarten, first grade, to go in, and they all had their little backpacks on, or they would line up at recess, lunch hour, to go back into the building, whatever, and the the wind would just come around and stuff, and and the wind would always kind of pick Mariah up a little bit. Her feet wouldn't come off the ground, but she'd always get kind of blown off balance a little bit and stuff. And so some kid was always grabbing her and kind of anchoring her down. Sometimes the playground worker or the, the teacher would grab her, and one time Mr. Rushka actually helped her into the building. The wind was like, 60 miles an hour I kid you not and Mariah was having a hard time moving forward getting into the building and Mr. Rusher came out and just grabbed her and 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 I was watching from the car and just just helped her into the building and everything but kids are really good at playing follow the leader all you got to do is follow the leader you see people who enter the kingdom of God are the ones who play follow the leader it's a child's game I get it But that's having childlike faith. Follow the leader. If you're doing everything you can do to bring your children to Jesus at home and at school, or at home and at church, then you're doing your job. And I want you to hear that this morning. If you're doing everything you can do to bring your children to Jesus at home and at church, then you're doing everything you can do. You're doing your job as a good Christian parent. And if you want to see what the kingdom of heaven looks like today, And if you want to see how God looks at us today, when this service is over, grab your donut, grab your coffee, walk down the hall and look in the windows of our children's ministry and watch the little ones, watch the toddlers having fun at play, being trusting and teachable and open and obedient. And yes, loud and carefree. Wouldn't you like to live like that again? That's how Jesus sees us. And that's what Jesus is calling us to not to be childish but to be childlike in our faith and trust and expectancy in him the pressure totally off us the onus totally on him see that's what we learn from this conversation with christ today we learn that jesus takes the pressure off of, off of us and that the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god belongs to people who have childlike faith trust teachableness openness obedience expectancy joyfulness completely hilariously daily eternally dependent upon god and we like it that way because the onus is on god it's not on us anymore it's how simple our relationship with god is supposed to be because we are his children and he's calling us and wanting to recreate us through his Holy Spirit to be born again with a childlike faith. You ever notice that it's only people who are children or people with childlikeness that will dare play follow the leader? And I think what Jesus is calling all of his believers and followers to do is to have a childlike faith that will play follow the leader with Jesus all the way from here to heaven to heaven but it's only people with a childlike faith that will play the game or can play the game. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to bring you back to a place of childlike faith so you can play follow the leader with Jesus every day of your life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Because it really does take the pressure off us it puts all the onus on you all you're calling us to is a child likeness today you're calling us to have a faith a trust, an expectancy an honesty, an openness, an obedience an acknowledgement of our complete and absolute dependency upon you a joyfulness and a contentment in where we are in looking at life and looking at you with wide eyed wonder Letting you be in control. Not feeling like we have to take control, but letting you be in control. And just letting you have us come to you and letting you put your hands on us and bless us. Because we're, our, we're your children and you're our heavenly Father who art in heaven. And holy is your name. And your children... Pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as you dictated in heaven. Please give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses when we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not, Heavenly Father, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, because yours is the kingdom, and it is the power, and it is the glory forever and ever. Amen. You're our dad you're our heavenly father and so help us this week lord jesus when the pressure seems like it's mounting up on us help us to remember this message holy spirit call it back to our minds that what you're calling us to as we are born again by your spirit is a child likeness and a childlike faith and trust and expectancy and dependency upon you knowing you're going to take care of it this week you're going to take care of us because we're your children and you're our heavenly father and all we need to do is play follow the leader with you every day of our lives this week all the way every day from here to heaven help us to be that way lord help us to never outgrow you or grow too adult for you help us to have a childlike faith And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening this morning here at home and online. Now, here's what's coming up next at New Promise Church.
1: The NP Daycare will be reopening soon, and we are looking for full-time employees. We are so excited to be reopening on September 1st. If you are interested or looking for more information, please see Don Petrowski. This Saturday, August 21st, Bev and Mark Donahue will be here and we'll be having a dinner with them. Please sign up by
0: Wednesday, August 18th if you will be attending this dinner. Next Sunday, we will be welcoming the Donahue family, our missionaries to Paraguay. They will give us an update
3: on their ministry and how God is working through them and their work. We will be praying for our teachers and students as the school year will be starting soon. Kathy Conrad will be having a seven week Bible study in the Book of Ruth on
2: Wednesday mornings from 10 to 1130 here in the hospitality room. For more information, please see Kathy Conrad.
3: If you like to shoot a gun or you wanna learn how to shoot a gun, please see Al Tadio about Godly Guys and Gals Gun Club.
0: Thank you for being here today at New Promise Church. Have a great and
3: blessed week. Okay, just a couple of things to highlight is don't forget, it wasn't in the video announcements, but don't forget tonight from 6 to 7 p.m. We've got our one-hour prayer time. Uh, we had a great turnout last week. We hope to have a great turnout this week from 6 to 7 p.m. tonight in the chapel. Come out and pray. Uh, pray with and for one another and see the great things that God will do. Uh, in our lives, in our communities, and in our church, and in our country. And also, uh, for the daycare, the daycare is opening. We've got people registering. We've got parents want to drop their kids off. So that end of it looks really good, but the laborers are few. So we need a couple of workers uh, who are willing to, to come out and work. You will get paid. This is a paid position. And so we ask you to please see either Don Petrowski, our NP Daycare Director. Stop by the office or give us a call and we'll make sure Don finds out. Um, or let David Durier know. And David will make sure Don finds out. So basically it all goes back to Dawn. And uh, she knows everything that you need to know to how to be qualified, certified, what the, the pay rate is, what the hours would be, and stuff like that. So the Harvard is plentiful in our NP dayca- daycare relaunch this September, but the labors are few. So uh, please think about it and pray about it yourself, or if not you, if you know somebody who'd, who could help out with this and, and use this as a, as a really good part-time job, then please let us know uh, that as well. Alrighty, so may the Lord Jesus, God, may the Lord Jesus bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. May he raise up his countenance upon you and give you his peace this week. And may you keep in step with his Holy Spirit as you live out his word that you heard this morning in your lives, simply remembering to live life with a childlike faith and trust in God and let God take care of the rest. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for coming out this morning. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week.